Today's episode of the Locked On Irish podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Today on the Locked On Irish podcast, we are incredibly juiced up, as I'm sure that you all are as Notre Dame fans. After Notre Dame knocked off Clemson in overtime, the number one team in the country, now putting Notre Dame in the conversation to move past the top three, possibly into that top two, into that top one. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but today's episode, we are going to be breaking down the key takeaways offensively and defensively from this huge, momentous victory for the Fighting Irish, as well as sharing our thoughts on why this game should be still considered a legitimate one despite Clemson not having Trevor Lawrence. Before we get into that, though, I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts as always. I'm a former college football player from the University of Rhode Island, current NFL free agent, and Ryan is a NFL draft analyst and college football analyst with a number of amazing sources, particularly NFL Draft Bible. Ryan, I don't know about you, but last night was very hard for me to fall asleep because of the energy I was riding off of. To go from a play where I was already trying to, to, to put together my argument against the officials for that picked-up DPI call on Ben Skoranek, to then, not too far long later, after two overtimes, Notre Dame wins the football game and they knocked off the number one team in the country. How, how are you feeling right now? Because I know I'm feeling pretty damn good. Well, Joe, I, I must say that it was a special moment last night. I, I was out at a bar with my friends and my father, who has been a lifelong Notre Dame fan, who, is, who has suffered through some hard times, to say the least, with the Tyrell Willingham, Charlie Weiss, Bob Davey eras, the, the, low, um, the low notes that it had, and it was the most refreshing moment. We went out the bar and, you know, maybe I had a couple drinks, but I yelled. I, I'll be very <laughs> honest with you. I probably woke some people up at right around, what was it, like 11.45 when that game got over, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, close to mid- midnight, yeah. Close to midnight. It was, I mean, Joe, just to put this in perspective, right, because I know we're going to talk about the potential diminish, blah, blah, blah. Do you know when the last time it was that Notre Dame beat the number one ranked team in the country? I, I know for a fact that I probably wasn't alive. It was 1993, college game day. Yep was on site in South Bend, Indiana, and they beat, they knocked off the number one team at the time, the Florida State Seminoles, who obviously ended that year as the national champs, and they defeated them in South Bend. Not only was that the 27th year anniversary that that happened this past Saturday, also 45 years ago from in, on that day, Rudy Rudiger was carried off the field after having a sack against Georgia Tech. <laughs> so it was, it, dude, all the emotions, all the feels, it was a wonderful night, to say the least. One of those things that you brought up is not like the other, but I, I also kind of, what made this game all the more impactful and the victory so much better is at the very end, that you know they put up the graphic of longest regular season winning streaks. They put that graphic up, and now Notre Dame is I think they claimed three spots on there. One of them was against Oklahoma. One of them was against Miami. And then now against Clemson. That That's insane that they have always been the team to come in and knock off these programs that have strung together so many long streaks of winning football games. The, the obvious number one, the longest ever being Oklahoma. It makes me so happy that Notre Dame 
has continuously been the uh, the, the the harbinger of of ending these streaks for these programs. Yeah, and and they're continuing the streak that they have right now. What's it? Thirteen straight victories and. Brian Kelly and 23 talked, straight home games too. And 23 straight home games. And Brian Kelly talked about, I think it's like 29 out of 32, the, the last 32 games they've won as well. So, you know, we, we kind of put a little on Brian Kelly for boasting that in the middle of the week. But, man, hey, you have to give him credit. The whole staff and the program obviously with a huge victory. But Brian Kelly was cool, calm, and collected, which is not always the scene of him on the, on the <laughs> sideline. To say the least, you know, I mean, you remember the viral picture of his face going completely red. Like, that's kind of how Brian Kelly is, has really been during his career. It's it's kind of like, you know, is he the guy that can stay composed during these tough games? And it was it was nice to see because you saw Dabo showing a lot of emotion, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But for Brian Kelly, that's kind of been the crux of I him mean, at some points. And he was just standing there. And he looked like he was just in the game. At no point was was he too high. At no point was he too low. It just looked like that coaching staff was ready to go last night. And obviously the players were as well. And it was just, again, a monumental victory in the Brian Kelly era. And, uh, again, the first time we've beaten the number one team in 27 years. It's it's a proud moment to be a Notre Dame supporter right now. Now, this, this victory is obviously so important for Brian Kelly as he finally, after all of these, these top – games facing highly ranked opponents he finally gets over the hump he finally beats the number one team in the country and also you know outside of that conversation a top ranked team in a key moment for a final push towards the end of the season that was a win that they really really needed if they wanted to use this season for momentum to push them into the college football playoff conversation because hypothetically if things maybe get a little sticky in the ACC championship, they lose a close football game, they will still have that on their resume to say that they beat number one Clemson when they were ranked number one. And they're probably going to play Clemson in that ACC championship game. So you could probably bet on uh, Brad Sinkiff coming back on the podcast very soon when that ACC championship game comes up. However, Ryan, the one thing that, that dampens things just a tiny bit, people are trying to keep us down from acknowledging this victory. There's a lot of people on social media and a lot of analysts that are trying to say, well, you, you beat you beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. They're missing some defensive pieces. I understand that, Ryan. I understand that they're, they're, they didn't they didn't have some of their defensive players. They were dealing with some key guys. They're dealing with injuries for key guys. But the performance we saw from DJ Uyunglele was at an elite level. That is at a level that you don't get from a typical high schooler, former high schooler, recent, current freshman in his second ever game. Guys just don't do that normally. This is going to be a very good college football player once Trevor Lawrence is gone. How much better was Trevor Lawrence? Like, is Trevor Lawrence going to throw for 500 yards? Is that what you're telling me? Because DJ Uyunglele threw for 400. You have to understand that it's it's not like he threw for, you know, interceptions and fumbled and all that stuff. He played really well. You have to understand that this is still a number one ranked team. Yeah, and I hate those people that try to diminish it. Because yes, there are. There's always, there's always context to be assumed in the, and to be considered in this conversation. Did Trevor Lawrence play? No. Did Tyler Davis, their outstanding defensive tackle, play? No. James Skowski was out. They have injuries, just like every other team has injuries. But why are we doing this right now? Because hey, the other the other great players on Notre on uh, Clemson, right? Travis Etienne, eighteen carries for twenty eight yards. Like hey, he was he was healthy. He was playing. Their whole offensive line was healthy. We were still able to stop him. It's just 
it's I feel like it's very nearsighted, to be honest. And like you said, DJ Uyunglele is a very talented quarterback. Is he Trevor Lawrence right the second? No, and I won't pretend that he is. But was quarterback an issue for Clemson? Uh, uh, no. This game, was it, was it an issue? Like you said, was Trevor Lawrence going to throw for 500 yards? Maybe he gets the defense a little more juiced, I guess. But, like, man, give Notre Dame some credit. They made the plays they needed to do offensively. They dropped 47 points on what is typically a very good Clemson defense. Dropped 47 points. They shut down the best offensive player that Clemson has, the all-time leading rusher in ACC history, both for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, entered the game with 73 career touchdowns. And we are diminishing what Notre Dame accomplished. What were, was, was Clemson at 100%? No. Was Notre Dame at 100%? No. No team is at 100%. Give Notre Dame their credit for what they were able to do in a game, and let's be honest about this, with their recent performances against Georgia and Clemson two times before this, the big games, right, the highlighted big games, Notre Dame showed up in a big game. Give them credit from the first snap, that 75-yard touchdown from Kyron Williams. Notre Dame was tapped in. They were juiced. They were ready to go. And we have to give them credit because we have seen them come out flat against these type of teams and have to be into recovery mode. They came out and they played great football and they beat what was the number one team in all of college football. I'd also like to add in here that Trevor Lawrence is not the number one ranked team in the country. Right. Clemson is the number one ranked team in the country. This is a program that has shown consistent success. They are built from the top down to have depth when there are injuries for elite recruits and players and prospects to step in. This is still a very good football team. It's not like you're losing a number of uh, you know those very few players. And I get it, Trevor Lawrence is still... Uh, um, heads above a lot of players at, in college football, and he's still more progressed than DJ Uyunglele. But like any good program, they're going to have good depth, and you're still playing a very, very good team. It's There's not much of a drop-off. There's not as much of a, a drop-off as people think. If if they become out, uh, like worse than a top 25 team just from losing three guys... That's insane to me. That is that is an irrational argument if you believe that. With how, with how they recruit too, right? Like like right. The, the backups on Clemson and, and Brian Kelly talked about it in his presser this week. He's like, I'll take that fifth string defensive tackle. I'll take that fourth string offensive tackle. Like there's guys everywhere on Clemson. So that's such a it's just a, a nearsighted it's argument. Lazy. It's lazy. It there's just no there's no substance to that argument. And yes. Trevor Lawrence is a great football player, but we're also need to humanize him to a degree, right? Because like you're assuming, you're just your your crystal ball is saying Trevor Lawrence would have been perfect against Notre Dame. How do you know that? Maybe he makes a mistake. Maybe he has a worse game than DJ has. You don't know that. You are just making an assumption that has no basis and has no substance to it. Right. You you can't guarantee, and we'll actually get to see hopefully at the end of the season if it seriously impacts the quality of this team. If when Trevor Lawrence is available for the ACC championship, if that really, really impacts it coming up, we are going to break down this game offensively and defensively. Our thoughts are takeaways. What we believe were the key points in this game. Before we do so though, folks, I want to talk to you about cores light these days. It seems like Life forces us to be on all the time, but every now and then it's important to stop and reset, and that's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. I know when I was watching this game and I was 
hanging out with my friend before it. And then I decided to come home and a little bit different than you, Ryan. I locked myself in my room and I just sat and watched this game to not have any distractions, not have anybody pulling me away. But I, I, I was having a course Light to help get my mind at ease, just to enjoy this football game and to keep me locked in. You should be doing that too for the next game coming up against Boston College. Grab that Coors Light when you sit down, with if it's with your friends or if it's just on your own, in your own house, on your couch. Coors Light wants you to know that whatever you're watching, you should be grabbing that Coors Light this fall because that is your time to chill. Even if your team may not be playing in some of these games and you're watching on a Sunday, there are still plenty of teams and sports on TV that can give you an excuse to chill out and drink a beer. Doesn't matter what team or sport is playing, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. So flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a Coors Light. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ryan, offensively, this was a, a tale of almost, I guess you could say three halves because you know there was the first half, the second half where they could not produce until the very end of the game, and then overtime was a completely different story. What were some of the, the, the thoughts that you had offensively for this Notre Dame team? Well, I, I think, and I want to really emphasize this huge because you know that I am – I have had some doubts about the ability for Brian Kelly and Ian Book to win the big game. And I must give Ian Book some a lot of credit here. You know, we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but he played a very good football game for what he is. The offensive line, though, is my main takeaway. From start to finish, even when stuff wasn't going right in the second half, those dudes, we're talking Liam Eikenberg, Aaron Banks, we're talking Jared Patterson, right guard Tommy Kramer, Robert Hainsey at right tackle. We got five future NFLers all across the offensive line from the 75-yard touchdown, Liam Eikenberg getting up to the second level and having a key block to pass protection all night. The ability to run for over 140 yards for Kyron Williams, that offensive line was substantial. And we talked about with Brad Sinkiff, right, about the ability to win at the line of scrimmage was going to be the determiner in this football game. The offensive line was able to win against the Clemson defense more than not. Brian Brissy, Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy had, had a nice play late in the game. Brian Brissy had a couple plays, but they were largely non-factors. We were able to really establish our identity offensively. And even when it went awry in the second half, we went a little stagnant. That was mostly due to, you know, just kind of the the transition of, you know, from first half to second half. Obviously, coaches make adjustments, right? And we're going to, uh, you know, and so there, naturally at that point, there's going to be some, some traction that's going to be made from a defensive coordinator against Notre Dame. But they were still able to use that and use that momentum at the end of the game to transition into their overtime performance. And I think that really we have to give the offensive line a huge tip of the hat and huge credit for what they were able to accomplish in this game. And that's a really good point that you're giving credit to the offensive line for the way that they played. We did see some pressures 
on Ian Book. We saw a lot of blitzing, but they still held pretty strong despite dealing with all of the pressure that Brent Venables was throwing at them. There's the big reason why that they they scored on the first play of the game from that Kyron Williams long touchdown was because it was a perfectly blocked play, and Kyron Williams had enough of a gap to blow past the safety all the way to the end zone. You're not going to have that with poor blocking. A lot of credit does need to go to the O-line. The one point that I want to bring up, Ryan, is that in the second half, I was a bit disappointed with Tommy Rees being outmaneuvered by Brent Venables. Now, Brent Venables is the best defensive coordinator in college football, if not maybe a a top three, top five defensive coordinator, if you disagree with me. You're not going to come out and, and have a better game plan than him, but I was disappointed that seeing how aggressive Clemson came out in the second half, how much they were blitzing, how much they were forcing Ian Book to throw off structure. He was throwing a lot of balls out of bounds. Seeing all that, I was constantly thinking to myself, why aren't we running some screens? Why aren't we trying to get the ball out quicker? Instead, we were running this. We, we saw the same stuff that Tommy Reese was running in the first half, which was a lot of uh, in, you know inside zone that wasn't picking up the same yardage. And then on top of that, they were still trying to hit hit the deep ball. You're not going to have that kind of time to run a, a deep passing concept if they're sending seven or eight guys, which someplace we, we saw that. We saw some serious pressure from Clemson's defense. There were not enough screenplays for me when, when dealing with, with that type of pressure. The only way you can alleviate that type of pressure is hitting a, a huge 20 to 30 yard gain off a, off a screen because any good defensive coordinator is going to realize, all right, you caught us. We need to go back to what we were doing. Otherwise, you're going to keep killing us with that. And we talked about that a little bit. I expected the screen game to be heavily implemented because we're talking about a Clemson team that those inside linebackers and you know pressure situations from other positions as well, they're bringing five to six a, a lot. Brett Venables is not afraid. He's going to play man-to-man across the board, and he is going to bring a array of different pressure packages, right? And I expected Kyron Williams, maybe some tight end screens. I expected the screen game to be a high, a lot more. I didn't even see a running back screen to, to my recollection, right? Like, I'm, I'm trying no. to get back. And especially not in the second half. Especially not in the second half. And, and we need to I – mean, I felt like that would have been such a key component to that victory. I agree that the adjustments were made much more by Coach Venables comparative to Tommy Reese. I felt like Tommy Reese did call a, a pretty good game for, the, for you know, the, the majority of it. But I would agree that it definitely went stagnant in the second half. I will give, though, you know, some credit because my biggest concern going into the game from Notre Dame offense perspective was wide receivers. We've seen a mixed bag up to this point with Ben Skoranek and Javon McKinley and Avery Davis. Avery Davis made some big plays, man. That long post, you know, to take it down to, to, to force overtime. We talk about Javon McKinley. I think he caught all of his targets, the five targets, for over 100 yards. He had an outstanding catch, which was a catch, by the way. I know people – are going to question it. <laughs> it was a catch. It was 100% a catch. The ball didn't move when it, when it hit the ground. Whatever. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. It was a catch. Um, but McKinley Davis made uh, some outstanding plays. W- was it perfect? No, absolutely not. But I saw more out of this wide receiver crew than I have all season. And Brad brought up a great point, right? What's going to be the main stat was – that Clemson's defense on third downs is among the top five in the country, and Notre Dame's is in among the top five of converting third downs. Notre Dame was 10 of 19 in that department, a huge factor into this game. And I'll give Ian Book credit. I, they didn't win first down as much as I wanted them to. There were some third and long situations, and Ian Book was able to convert 10, 10 out of 19 times against you know a very talented defense. So 
Hat tip again to the offense. They did enough. I would agree that Red Venables did some great stuff early, especially in that, in that third quarter into um, probably the early portions of the fourth quarter as well. But at the end of the day, they were able to do enough offensively. They were able to convert, most importantly, on the most important down in football. Speaking of tipping the hat to some players, every Monday we're going we're gonna to start doing this. When Notre Dame wins, we're going to hand out an offensive and a defensive game ball. You already mentioned a guy that you're a big fan of, Ryan, but I want to give my game ball to Kyron Williams. 140 yards, three touchdowns, 6.1 yards per carry. And the big reason why I want to hand him this game ball is for coming out and punching Clemson in the mouth with that huge rushing touchdown. That is a play that is a momentum setter for a game. It's not even like it was a 50-yard rush. It was a long Rushing touchdown on the very first play of the game. That is exactly what you want from your offensive line, from your offense, and also from one of the most underrated running backs in the country. Yeah, and I was really split on where I wanted to throw my game ball to. Kyron Williams was, I think, the easy choice. So I really, you know, I applaud you for that one, stealing that one early too. Um, so I couldn't pick him. But we offensive oh, yeah, line. You're allowed to. You're allowed to pick the same guy as me. I should have told you that. But uh, it's okay. It's, right. it's okay. It, it's okay. It's okay. We'll give Kyron. Some, <laughs> uh, Kyron's, uh, you know, one of the best running backs in college football. So I'm sure he'll get a game ball at some point this year from me. I, I was, <laughs> I was very split on this one because I would have loved to just give a game ball to the whole offensive line. I mentioned Javon McKinley. I felt like that vertical element that he brought, a couple of big catches was something that was very notable and was something that I did not expect. But I'm going to give it to Ian Book because, and I mentioned this earlier, I have had my doubts about Ian Book being able to win the quote-unquote big one. But he was 22 of 39, 310 yards, a touchdown. Also huge with his legs, extending, especially there at the end of the, end of the game, that, that last drive to send it to overtime and into overtime. 15 carries for 68 yards. Some hidden statistics there because he was absolutely fantastic extending plays at points. And, again, I, I owe Ian Book an apology, man. He did a tremendous job. and absolutely, He changed my narrative on him a little bit. Can he win the big game? Well, he did, so I guess he can. So I, I, have, to give, I have to give it to Ian, man. He, uh, he really showed out yesterday and showed why this coaching staff has such high praise for him, such high um, just just – a perspective on him. He has done an absolute great job and did an outstanding job against Clemson in this victory. I think I would have also picked Ian Book without any question had he not fumbled in that very, very key spot in the second half. It wasn't great. I don't want to. It wasn't great. No, I, I don't want to knock him for that because he bounced back. Sometimes you'll see with quarterbacks at the college level, they make a mistake and they're done. They're done for the rest of the night. But he stepped up. He, he realized that was a mistake that I made. I just hurt my team. I need to step up. I need to play cleaner. I need to help my team win this game. And the big reason why I think he also deserves a, a game ball, and I agree with your pick, is when they needed big plays, he stepped up. He stayed composed. He, fi- he found his offensive weapons. He got the ball out. And it's not like he was just dumping things off. He was finding guys with an intent to pick up first downs, to continue drives. He wasn't just trying to get the ball out and protect himself. This guy was putting himself on the line. He was running with a purpose. That is what you want. And I know we're, we're not always going to be the biggest supporters of what Ian Book does. And, and you and I personally have been frustrated at times by what he's done over the past few years. But seeing the way that he put himself on the line makes me happy that he's Notre Dame's quarterback right now. You're not going to get that from every quarterback. 
in college football. You need a guy that is willing to throw themselves out there, risk everything to make the big play and to put them in a position to win. In a few minutes, we are going to share our defensive takeaways. But first, Ryan, do you have a, a nice message for our listeners? Yes, because everybody knows that Notre Dame football is very close to my heart. I'll tell you something else that's very close to my heart and something that I actually picked on frequenting many shows on the Locked On Network. I'm talking about Built Bar, which is the most delicious candy bar on the market. It's even more delicious as well because they have a brand new and improved formula for Built Bar. 18 amazing flavors, including both nut and nut non-nut flavors. My personal favorite, caramel brownie, as well as delicious cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, 12 original flavors that include things such as raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie. They have a flavor for any palate and any flavor profile that you can imagine. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy who just needs a little pick-me-up during the day. You can lose or maintain why. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in any of the delicious flavors. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're also great for the keto diet. Some of the profiles include peanut butter, which is 90 grams of protein, 180 calories, and only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Other great flavors, coconut, almond, cherry, Cookies and cream are also great for you while keeping you moving on the day. Built Bar has reset the promo code for this relaunch. Free cooler with every purchase now maintained while this applies last. So please go take advantage of that opportunity now. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. That's all caps, Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Folks, if you aren't already, make sure you go hit that subscribe button, stay up to date, and also feel free to give us a review what you think of the show. We could use some positive feedback on what you think so far. Right now, we don't have that many reviews from the new listenership with the new combo of hosts. All the, the one review that we did do have is from the old host team. So if you do have the time, please, we would really appreciate and you and you enjoy the show. Give us a review and let us know what you think on Apple Podcasts. So defensively, Ryan, this game is not going to – it doesn't look as good as it was for this team. They, they gave up 40 points. They gave up 400 yards to DJ Uyunglele. He had 439. But you have to give him some credit for the way that they played against Travis Etienne, a guy that is going to be a clear-cut first-round running back. Only had 28 rushing yards and one touchdown for 1.6 yards per carry. Ryan, what were your – defensive takeaways are your big takeaway from this game for this Notre Dame defense? I mean, for me, it was exactly that. You know, this is speaking from an NFL draft perspective. People are very high on Travis Etienne. You know, for running back one, potential first-round player, I can tell you he's a first-round grade on my board right now. And I have to give credit here to another position that I was a little worried about, the linebackers, interior defensive line play uh, this past weekend against Clemson was outstanding. They held Travis Etienne only 28 yards on 18 carries, they made it a one-dimensional game. They said, we are going to make this freshman quarterback, DJ Uyunglele, we're going to make him beat us. Travis Etienne is not going to be the determining factor in this football game. And they they made that happen. And, you know, 40 points given up, we have to 
you know, do have some context there that it was a double overtime game. They still gave up 33 points. So, you know, the pass defense was not where you want it to be. But they said they had a plan. They went in. Clark Lee was like, dude, we are not letting Travis Etienne beat us. We are not letting this running game beat us. And those linebackers, Drew White, Shane Simon showed up to play. Kurt Heinis showed up to play. Interior defensive linemen. They were very stout on the middle of that defense, and they took the best football player on the field for Clemson, Travis Etienne, completely out of the football game. Yeah, and there was all of these these big, big key plays that they made defensively. It looks a little weird trying to talk up this defense after they gave up so many yards, but the key game plan was here. We're going to let DJ Ungalele beat us. You, you, you have to beat us with DJ. You're not going to kill us with Travis Etienne. They completely locked down their rushing game to the point where they had to use DJ Ungalele as their... Uh, their big mobile quarterback, and they used a lot of quarterback power, some zone read to get that run game going, and that still didn't even work. Props to DJ Uyunglele, who stepped up and played better than I think many people expected, having to be the guy that really uh, led a lot of their offensive production. And I don't want to be the guy that that is you know knocking this this team for their performance. That's not my intention here. But I do just want to point out that I was a bit surprised that they weren't being more aggressive when going after DJ Uyunglele. There was a lot of only four men, uh, four men rushing at a time. There was a lot of dropping and, and trying to use a lot of use of, of coverages to confuse him instead of trying to pressure him. I really thought they were going to come into this game and attack him. They didn't hit home until the, the fourth quarter. Or sorry, not the fourth quarter, the, in overtime. When they had those two huge sacks to push them out of any range to be competitive in that overtime. Those were very, very important plays, but I don't know about you, Ryan. I was just a little confused that they didn't try to be more aggressive when facing a, a freshman quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I, I was expecting... I think that Notre Dame was afraid to play too much man-to-man against those wide receivers. Just with That was like the big mismatch, right? Was was their ability to match up with them, talking about t- uh, Tariq Bracey and Nick McLeod on the outside and, and even some man-to-man on the inside against guys like Amari Rogers and... Um, obviously, that I think that was a point of emphasis, maybe why you didn't see too much manufactured pressures. But hey, man, it got home when it needed to get home at the end of the game in the most <laughs> Im- important moments. I was expecting, and you know, they have the great left tackle, Jackson Carmen. So I wasn't expecting Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogandiji to take him to the woodshed or anything. But I did expect a little more pressure. I don't think Notre Dame has the guys on the interior outside of Jason Adamiola um, to affect the passer. To a degree of from the interior, so I didn't expect interior pressure to be much, but I did expect maybe you know just a little more pressure early on in that game with Dalen Hayes and Adi again. But we didn't get it. But hey, again, it happens in the in the most crucial moments. We even saw um, Jeremiah Wusukormo get in on one of those sacks in overtime. So the best players showed up when the game mattered most, and they were able to to establish that pressure in the biggest moments of the game. Right. It, it makes up for my concern. And again, I want to say that my point is is not me knocking the defense. It's just a little bit of concern and trying to understand maybe why they went about it. And Ryan, you bring up a really good point, being very wary of allowing man-to-man single coverage on those elite athletes that they had a part of that Clemson offense. 
Ryan, why don't we give out some game balls here now defensively? I want to hand my game ball out to the guy who played amazing, and I think you can 100% agree with me on this decision. I tweeted out that he was playing lights out, and Twitter seemed to agree with me. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, nine tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, a half a sack, and one touchdown. That play that he made by basically picking off a handoff or a pitch, it was a, it was a pitch on that play, by picking that play off and running it back for a touchdown, that was a, another huge momentum setter. That when Notre Dame needed a boost because their offense was not producing in the second half, because of that play, they were able to stay in it. And Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa easily was my defensive MVP for this game. He deserves it 100%. Yeah, oh, and I, I think he's the clear-cut guy to get a game ball for this week. That, that play where he picked off that, you know, on that speed option and picking off that pitch, like, that was such an insane play. And I think the game was 13-10 to at that point. That made it a 20-10 to football game, gave you a little bit of momentum again pushing there. Um, absolutely astounding play. Those are one of those plays that you just see every so often because it's a special football player. And he's had a dramatic rise throughout his career, you know, going from a, a safety to that, to that rover position. And now, you know, guys like Dane Brugler are saying he's a first-round pick on Twitter during the game last night. So he's had a dramatic rise as a player. I do want to throw out, I don't think that the box score always quite quantifies how good a player plays, right? So like Owusu-Koromoa with those two and a half tackles for loss, that nine tackles, that touchdown, those things are easy to see his impact. A guy that I was really impressed with that I felt like just flashing for me was Kurt Heinisch, the defensive tackle number 41. We talked about the run defense last night. We talked about the ability to stop Travis Etienne. He was phenomenal um, in his own right. He had three tackles and one tackle for loss. But the impact that he had was so much more. I felt like every time Notre Dame was making a play in the backfield, 41 was either taking up two blockers, was either beating a blocker and, and letting a, a guard, uh, linebacker shoot a gap, or he was making the play himself. I just felt like he was such an underrated football player. And from an NFL draft perspective, he's not going to be a guy the NFL is going to covet. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. But he's a guy 10 years from now that the staff is still going to be talking about just the quality of person and quality of player and the impact that he had and the impact that the that the box score is not always going to quantify because he does all the dirty work that you need to win a football game. So, folks, that's going to be it for our conversation today. Hope you enjoyed sitting down and chatting with us about Notre Dame football and their huge, momentous victory over Clemson. Coming up on Tuesday, we are going to be giving some positional grades, our further film breakdown. We're also going to react to some thoughts coming from the latest press conference, as well as some other amazing content covering Notre Dame football and athletics. If you're not doing so already, already follow us on Twitter at Locked On Irish. If just stay up to date with all the shows and also just quick couple things that we tweet out here and there. If you want to stay up to the date with that stuff, make sure you go and hit that follow button. Also, feel free to quote tweet us, uh, uh, tag us, and, and share with us what do you think was the the big key moment in this game? What do you think led to this this Irish victory? Tweet at us and, and give us your thoughts. You can follow me at Jody Leone. You can follow Ryan at Rise and Draft. Also, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. If you're looking for something else to listen to, 
feel free to go to the college football, the Locked On College Football podcast, where you should be hearing at some point this week from me as I will be hopping on there. Thanks again, folks, and have a wonderful rest of your day.